My motto for Lavender is life is an art, make it your masterpiece. Because I believe that each one of us is an artist of our own life and we have more power than we think to design and create all aspects of our life. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Katie Dalebout. You are listening to Let It Out. This week, I talked to a friend of mine, Eileen. She is an entrepreneur. She makes videos and she talks about personal growth and creativity and something she calls lifestyle design. We met years ago when she had me on her podcast because journaling is a tool that both of us find very effective for processing our emotions and feelings and for creativity. And so we bonded over that and, and just had a lot in common. And then I, I was, we talked about this in the episode, but I was coming to LA soon after that. And we hung out in person and, and have kept in touch, you know, here and there ever since. And it was really cool to catch up in this episode and talk candidly about the overlap and challenges that we both are having in our own different ways and lacking confidence in our work. We also get into astrology, including Saturn returns because we both turned 30 since we last saw each other. And we talk about getting older and getting older in the career that both of us have, which is different, but similar being people who share on the internet. We talk a lot about mental health and mental health and social media and the intersection between the two. We get into travel and we both went to Bali since we've seen each other. So we talked about that and and what that was like for us. We talk about managing our energy, her decision to stop podcasting based on burnout. We talk about relationships and something called radical acceptance, which I'm really sitting with and processing. And I recently reread the book radical acceptance that Maddie recommended on the podcast. I reread it and she was on my friend Pete and Val's podcast recently. And I highly recommend her as a teacher if you resonate with that part of this conversation. So I will get into this week's episode, but I just want to say thank you so much for being here. If you're new here, welcome. I've been doing this for a while and I love it and I hope I can continue to do it. And thank you to everyone who listened to not last week's episode, but the week prior where I talked about how I'm now doing creative consulting and I am offering a couple free consultation sessions if people want to see if it's maybe a fit for them. And I'm starting those next week and I have a couple, all of the June ones are booked in the beginning of July, but mid-July there's a couple open. If you want to book one, snag it. I would love to chat with you. The link is in the show notes as well as in the show notes. You can sign up to get emails from me, which are like personal essays and musings. And we talk about social media in this episode, but here, here I am plugging it. Follow let it out on Instagram. I haven't been there for a minute because, well, just read the most recent post on let it out and you'll know why. <laughs> but 
I haven't really had much to say, but I am emerging <laughs> and I'm going to be back there. And of course you can follow me at Katie Delba. I don't really know what to do there. So I just take photos of my friends and the light in my apartment and on my hikes. And, you know, I was going to say that seems to be working, but you know what? It doesn't really seem to be working, but it is what I am doing. <laughs> I would love to talk to you there. Feel free to send me a DM. It's just me on both accounts. So you can send a DM to either of those places or an audio message and just let me know that you're listening. And if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do it is share it or leave a review on iTunes. I'm still still asking for those after nine years of this podcast, but it really does help. And I really do hope that I can continue to do it. I love you. I'm glad you're here. Enjoy this conversation with Eileen and I will see you at the end for the emoji of the week. I'm so happy we reconnected after our conversation on your podcast. We had so much in common and then met up in LA, which was great. And I'm just really happy to keep talking to you. Yeah, same. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to reconnect too, because I think it's been a while since we've talked. And I actually found your podcast just through browsing podcasts. This is years ago. You know, when podcasting wasn't as popular, you were already doing it back then. So I don't know. I, I, I guess I just connected to what you talked about. And I think we're at the same age. So maybe that's why we can relate on so many things. And I think we see the world similarly. And I want to get into that because you know, it was nice today diving into your work and and seeing like, wow, we really connect on on so many things. And we are the same age, which I really want to get into because I think we're at a particular spot of like moving through our Saturn return and turning 30 and mm -hmm. being where we are. It's 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 interesting. And and I think, you know, we had a lot in common back then. And at that dinner, like I just remember really connecting with you. And it's nice to find someone you're not that, you know, I connect, I have a lot of friends who are younger than me and older than me, but there is something about, you know, connecting with someone who does something similar and sees the world similarly. And, and journaling, I know helps both of us in a way that, mm -hmm. that we really connected on. And for other people, it doesn't like, it's not their thing. And so it's nice to talk to someone who like the way we see the world and the tools and, and who knows, maybe it's astrology, maybe it's something, but <laughs> we have something in common. So Anyway, yeah. th and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. That means so much. And I, I just instant, it's always so nice to connect to someone in person after you've, you know, become friends with them online. And I remember that dinner so well, of like, it was, it was so, so cool to meet you. It was so fun to chat. We had like such a great conversation. And I remember you took me home in your car. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was your first time in a Tesla. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I think about it all I the time. I just got that car too. It was like brand new. <laughs> I wasn't going to even say it, but it was. And now I think about it all the time. And I, I like told that story to one of my other friends recently. And I was like, oh yeah, I've actually happened in one before because I, and I told the story about meeting you <laughs> and you were so nice <laughs> to take me home. And we just like had one of those dinners where we kept talking yeah. and like, we were like, well, I'll just drive you home. And it was so nice. And like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was so like, wow, this is, I, I was really like, a it was like total, like New York girl coming to LA. It's cause like, you know, I don't go on the subway. I don't, I don't live that kind of life. It's so different. Yeah. That's so true. I was really taken by, by it. it. I mean, I still am like, I still like know nothing about cars. So, 
That's so funny. You knew exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that too. That's so funny. Okay, so before we go back, I really want to hear about how you are now. What mm-hmm. is present for you? What have you been learning and contemplating lately? Yeah, I, I think my life now, it is different from like a couple years ago because I've been doing YouTube for about seven years now. I think, I, I feel like my channel has matured and I'm at a stage where I'm learning to build a team around what I'm doing. I, I'm not very good at it, but I'm still, you know, I'm figuring it out because I need more people to help me just run this thing that I want to create. And mostly what's new is like, I'm focusing more time on my shop. I, I think you've seen like my workbook. I have, I sell like workbook, planners, just any resources that help you create your dream life and f- focusing mostly on stationary at first. And yeah, I'm just working on like coming out with new products. Uh, I'm just expanding the line right now, which is really exciting to me because it's, I feel like I kind of have two jobs. I have a job as an influencer, like making YouTube content and stuff. And then I also have a second job as an entrepreneur with like the products. Yeah. Does your boyfriend still help you with the product side of things? Yeah. Like he is my, he's the guy that connected me to the manufacturers and suppliers and he does everything that's logistics related. I do everything design and creative related. If you think about it that way, like he, he has a warehouse where we ship out the products from. And so they do all that fulfilling. So I don't have to worry about that part. I love that you and you guys are still together. I, I don't know if you remember this, but you connected us because I really wanted to make let it out whoopee cushions. And so I had a couple calls with him Yeah, and he is so kind and nice and like told it to me straight. And it ended up not working out for me to make whoopee cushions, but maybe someday (laughs) I couldn't like validate (laughs) the environmental footprint of that. (laughs) But, oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) He was so sweet. Is it hard to be working with your partner do you have to create boundaries with that yeah actually i think he's better at setting the hard boundary because he goes to work he goes into the office but i work from home so when he comes home and it's dinner time he's like don't talk to me about work and he's very like like he he sets a harder boundary because for me work is every day like i mean work is all day there's really no end but but like being with him i know that like there are we don't talk about work when we're together and when during work hours is when I can like call him and ask him questions about work or email him or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good that one of you, it's probably healthy that one of you has that. It is. is. And he, I, I think I've learned to create better boundaries recently too with my work. We were talking about this earlier. We really see, seem to see the world in similar ways. And I, got into self-help quite young. And I wrote this self-help book about journaling, as you know, and I was 24. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, something that we both connect over is is getting into those things quite young. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how did you get into all of that and, you know, what you teach now in your work? Yeah. I, I do feel like I was exposed to self-help young just because I, I happened to stumble upon certain books. And I don't even remember like the earliest book that I found, but 
I think the year that I got really into reading self-help books was my junior year of college where I was really lost in life and I knew that I didn't want to take the typical corporate career path that my peers were doing because I did internships and I, I really didn't like that office environment. I knew I wanted a life where I was my own boss, where I could be creative, this and that. But that's where I started reading books about like finding your purpose and books about law of attraction and it, just everything related to creating the life you want to live. And at that age, you know, when you're like 19 or 20, like I felt like I was the only one reading books like that, reading books and blogs in that category because all of my friends were just too busy partying and they were, I don't know, they were thinking about other things. So I, I really felt alone. And the thing that I notice now is like, I don't know if you've noticed it too, Katie, but like times have changed where these topics, self-help, mental health, they're so much more mainstream. And I see teens and just really young people getting into it, which I think is really amazing. Yeah, it's so different. You're you're really right. I, I was thinking about that today. It's something really did shift where I was kind of embarrassed to share in the way that I did. And I was embarrassed to be like a self-help yeah. person, you Me know, too. like it felt so it uncool. <laughs> yeah. And I think even till recently where now I'm just like, fuck it. Like I have a self-help <laughs> podcast, you know? And I think yeah. I really like wanted, like at first, I think that the start of it, now that I'm thinking back to it was like when, when we were coming up, you know, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I started the podcast in 2013. And I think you started wow. your YouTube around the same time. And yeah, like 2014. Yeah. And I think back then wellness was kind of cool. Like to me, wellness yes. felt like something that was like, that was more okay. Acceptable. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. And that's where really I was like, Oh, well, I'm a yoga teacher and I, you mm -hmm. know, green juice. And like that felt kind of cool and weird and niche and, and, and interesting in a way where now I'm almost off put by that stuff. And I'm, and, mm -hmm. and then I, I almost am off put by, because I think the wellness industry has been hijacked by the diet industry. And I think there's a lot of problematic mm -hmm. stuff with that and, and a lot of good, like a lot of, like a lot of things. And I think mm -hmm. with lists of help, it's the same thing. Like I got very into it and like addicted to it almost where it was so much. And I went so extreme where I had to go completely away from it and, and, mm -hmm realize like, okay, I need to actually have a life worth instead of trying to help my life. I need to actually just live my life and enjoy mm -hmm. it and, yeah. and focus on creativity and connection and people and not about, you know, like constantly, I think we're similar in this way of like reflecting and setting new intentions and just like be in it and be present within it. And and then now I'm like, you know, kind of coming back to center with both of those things of like some of those wellness practices are really, really useful. I think taking it to an extreme is really harmful. And I think just embracing like I find self-help practices like really useful and great. Mm -hmm. And my whole 2020, the biggest theme for me that kept coming up and again and again was trying to focus more on what I do have mm -hmm. this time around than when I what I don't. And moving away from trying to be cool and just being like, I'm not, I'm warm, you know? And I feel yeah, like this whole yeah. self-help conversation is like, yeah, I like to have a self instead of me trying to, you know, fit in with the artists and the photographers and the people that I was spending my time with. I'm like, yeah, I have a self-help creative business and it, and that's what it is, you know, and just yeah, owning yeah. it, I think. Yeah, no, I totally feel you. I think especially 10 years ago or before that, self-help felt really tacky. And now now it's a little 
it's more and more mainstream, but when something gets mainstream, kind of like you were talking about health and wellness, it can go too extreme, right? Like it's not everything you need. You don't need to journal 24 hours a day. Like that, there's more to life, right? But it's about find, finding that balance. Like these things are really helpful, but you know, don't, don't take it to the extreme. Just take what works for you and take it at a balanced pace. Exactly. And it's, it really is truly wild. That's such a good point you bring up that I hadn't really thought about until I heard you speak about it of how it's changed. Like the conversation on mental health is incredibly different to how it was in 2013. The conversation yeah. about even journaling, there are just so many more reasons. When I wrote journaling, that book, meditating, all of it is like meditating was so weird back then. And now everyone does it right. It's, it's, it's interesting to see like the friends that judged me for meditating back then so for t talking about it. And like now they're like, oh, I started meditating, <laughs> which is cool. I think it's good that more and more people are just becoming more aware, conscious and intentional. And yeah, I, I think it, we're going heading in a good direction. Yeah, me too. Do you ever get frustrated like that you were doing this for so long and then, you know, now it is so does that ever frustrate you or are you just happy about, you know, that more people are doing it? It doesn't frustrate me, but there, I definitely know the shift. I like, I, I feel the shift because I, with my channel, I have to decide, okay, where do I fit in now? Because there's so many more people in this space. So it's more of, I think before I, I used to think, okay, I'm the only one talking about personal growth on YouTube. I'm the only one talking about these topics. And it was just easy to create whatever, you know, because I felt like there weren't, that wasn't that much competition. Now there's more and more competition. And so you have to think about, okay, like how am I different from everyone out there? And how am I moving the space forward? Because I think at this point, a lot of people know the basics already. So it's like going beyond that. Yeah. Like you had a niche and now yeah. your, your niche became My niche the has grown. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way with the podcast. I had it too. Like back then, mm -hmm. podcasting was just, there were just less podcasts, period, in 2013. And, and yes. so many podcasts have started after me who have far exceeded me in terms of growth and listeners. And yeah, I mean, how does that make you feel and how do you deal with that? That's such a good question. I mean, to be so honest, like it's hard. It's hard because I just want to be able to keep doing it, you know? And mm -hmm. like, I don't have the level of success or like audience wise that that makes it so I can kind of do anything and like be supported by sponsors or that people will enough people that like, no matter how many people take part in my workshops, like it will be okay. Like I just, the only mm -hmm. reason why it is hard is like, I'm like, Oh man, I just want to be able to keep doing this. And I'm not yeah. sure if I'll be able to, oh, because I it's, I mean, I believe I can and it's like staying on the side of good and like focusing it, but it is hard yeah. when sometimes I'm like, wow, like it There's is more pressure. Yeah. It is yeah. easier to keep doing the art when, when there are more eyes on it or in my case, ears mm -hmm. on it, you know, and it's hard to keep going when, you know, that just becomes harder as, as more people do it. But I yeah. try to not think about that. And I think it's a more productive mindset to think about it's too daunting and frustrating to think about that. And it's mm -hmm. more productive to be like, well, I've been doing this for nine years, nearly a decade. There's wow. over yeah. 300 episodes. I have to keep going. And, and, and I'm really proud of my body of work. And when it gets hard, I just try to think about 
keeping going and not think mm-hmm. about as much like how far I have to go. And just also like, it's uncontrollable. Like I would mm-hmm. love for there to be more listeners. And there are so many new shows that, you know, have you have big guests on and then they shared and then it like is huge. And it is hard when like a sponsor is like, Oh, we're pulling out because, you know, it's just not as good listenership or didn't redeem mm-hmm. as many codes as this other thing. And I'm like, Oh man, again and again. And, and yeah. that's connected to social media and that's connected I know. to all these things. And like, it is not, it's not an easy job we chose. For it's ourselves. not. And do you like, I'm sure you deal with the balance of, I mean, in 2020, I, I used to spend more time on social media and now I spend a lot less time because I just want to unplug right from the noise but because our job is related to social media and posting like do you feel this like tug and pull between wanting to like be part of it versus like wanting to for your mental health like you know not being so plugged into all of this I'm so glad we're having this vulnerable conversation I feel like this is like the kind of stuff we talked about at dinner that day and I'm happy that we're like actually doing this recorded because I I think it's I I'm interested in having this conversation and listening to it which is like yeah I mean even yesterday like my big thing is that it's for years, like, especially, you know, since I started Instagram, not that I have a huge following, like comparatively, I have such a small following comparative to you and so many people. Um, But it's more than like a personal account of, of people that I know. Right. And it's been growing since I started it. And like, whenever I got Instagram in college in like 2010 or whatever, and then last year, maybe 2020, it was the first time that it, that number started to go down and like pretty rapidly, mm-hmm. <laughs> like going, you know, not, not, not in huge quantities, but like I saw that number going down. And also I just, like you were saying, like I was spending less time on it. I'm posting less, you know, I don't think I posted on the feed in a month and like, yeah. I just, so maybe part of that is me, but also like, it's really hard to want to post when that number exactly. is going down. And it's hard to like, not, uh, not let that affect my self-worth when I think about like, wow, a hundred people today decided they didn't want me in their internet space. And like, I really have no idea. And like, who knows what that, why or whatever, but you know, it's definitely, and, and it's like, it's not just my part of it, I'm sure is ego. And I'm aware of that, but part of it is also like, it really does affect my bottom line and my like safety and security and like being able to like do do this more which is like what I do want to be able to keep doing this and that impacts it and like it's hard how how do you there's a dichotomy going on like you as a human being like you shouldn't take it personal when people unfollow you or when the numbers start going down listenership this and that but at the end of the day it does hurt like me as an influencer you have to admit like it it does hurt And then the other side is like, I mean, you don't want to care about the numbers for your mental sanity, but then at the same time, you have to care about the numbers because this is your career and your livelihood. So it's like a weird, you can't, you don't want to care for your health, but at the same time, you kind of have to, (laughs) it's a balance that it's, I think that's the influencers like dilemma. What helps you with that? And has that been your experience with it? Have you, do you struggle with it too? Yes, I do. I think social media definitely, well, if you talk to me two or three years ago, I think I was more attached to the numbers then. And then in the past couple of years, I've been really learning to detach my self-worth from the numbers, you know, from the ups and downs of my channel and subscribers or Instagram followers or whatever. 
But at the same time, I noticed that once I started detaching, I don't care about it as much. So I don't post as much because I don't care to post. I'm not trying to impress anybody, right? But if the less you post, like the worse it does. So I have less engagement on my Instagram now. Mental, yes, let you, because you have to keep consistently posting for people to keep following you. If you stop posting, Instagram stops pushing your content. And if you, it's... It's annoying because you know how it's it's good for people to take a break. You should support people for taking a break. But if you take a break and you come back, the numbers are lower. So it's kind of like I'm happier mentally, but but the numbers are not as good as it was when I was unhappy mentally, right? So it's weird. <laughs> but it's I, I I mean it's not the end of the world. It's it's not the end of the world, but it's it's interesting is all I can say. The people who are doing really well, who are posting every day, you can't do that for forever. You get burnt out. Either that or your your whole ego is on the internet. You know, your your ego is sucked to what people think about you. So it's not mentally healthy to be very, very successful as an influencer. Yeah. In, in my perspective. Yeah. Gosh. And it's, <laughs> you know, and there's parts of this that we love. Like, I love that this job, this weird job that we both have, allowed us to meet and yeah pals there are so many so pros many people. definitely yeah i i want to talk about creativity and and essentially this like you've been on youtube for nearly a decade what would you say to someone who wanted to start now what's good is people always think like oh it's too late to start or it's too saturated this or that actually no like something that i realized after being on youtube for so long is that channels and popularity kind of has a lifespan meaning like someone whose channel was popular 10 years ago might not necessarily mean they're still popular today because people get tired they kind of like they you watch this person for a few years then you go to another person that becomes your new favorite and, and this and that so there's always room for new channels and new people so i don't think there will ever be not enough space for everyone there's always space for someone new especially if you are very unique and if you know how to, you know, shine in your own way. So yeah, yeah, I would definitely encourage people to do it if they have like the desire, because at the end of the day, even though it has its cons, having a job on the internet, being an influencer, I still think is one of the best jobs in the world because of all the creative freedom. You, you just, there's so many pros. Obviously there are things you have to sacrifice and deal with, but I still love what I do. I love that. It makes me want to start a YouTube. <laughs> Because I feel like the same for podcasting <laughs> yeah. where like I think a lot of people listen to Let It Out in the beginning because mm -hmm. I was one of the few women, few young people doing yeah. it in the way that I was doing it. And now there's a ton of people, which is great. But it's it's hard to know who to listen to. Even me, like there's so many podcasts now. It's like, how do I choose? Yeah. And I, and I love doing this. And I think mm -hmm. I'm better at it now than I was 10 years ago because I've just done it more and I'm yeah. older, but the show, you know, back then felt like it was growing more quickly because it was just a yeah. different landscape of that platform. Right. And that's something else I, I learned that I have to tell all young creators is that there will be a moment where you're going to feel like things are taking off. And then there's going to be a moment where it feels like things plateau or maybe they even dip down. It doesn't mean that you've changed. It doesn't mean that you got bad at your work. It just means that the algorithm or the landscape has changed. For example, like 
there are YouTube channels that for some reason YouTube decides to like push this video or this channel and they just go viral for like a few months and then after that it drops. Same thing with podcasting, right? Like you could be recommended and uh, there's these ups and downs, but it doesn't mean that your work or your skill went up or down. It's it's not you. It's like, you know, this ecosystem outside of your control. Yeah. Wow. This has become very inside. But yeah. I think it's good to talk about this stuff. And thank mm-hmm. you for saying that. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, myself included, tied that with my sense of self-worth. Because you have you feel this success, you feel this like rush upwards, and then you experience like a decline, and then you're like, oh my God, is it me? Like you you tie it, it feels like you failed even though you're doing the same thing, you're still putting out podcasts, you're still putting out videos, but you're like, why is it not working anymore? And it, sometimes I, I realize it's it's not necessarily you. It's just these platforms, there's an algorithm behind pushing he, here and there, and it's out of your control. What helps you other than reminding yourself that it's out of your control when you're having a bad day or when you're down? What do you do to come back up? Yeah, I think... Definitely unplugging from the internet, just unplugging from, you know, because when you see what other people are doing, you tend to like compare, not even if you're not trying to. I just feel like I never feel like my best self when I'm being sucked into social media. So I definitely take time to unplug and then just live life in my real life. Maybe go for a walk, go out in nature. For me, there are certain things that always make me feel better, like doing yoga, journaling, like literally I have to let it out, (laughs) you know, that always makes me feel good. So going back to those habits that I know ground me. And also lastly is like remembering what I've done before that I'm proud of. Because Even like the past few months, I I felt my confidence going down. I've just been in kind of an uncertain state of mind. But I just have to remind myself how far I've come. I've done so many things that I'm already proud of. I've met so many people that like are really great people and are really cool. So it's a reminder because sometimes you forget. If you don't remember it, you just feel like you're starting from scratch and you're at rock bottom. But but you you came from somewhere, like something happened and you, you did some great things. So it helps to just look back and remind myself those things. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think I've been thinking about that a lot today. It feels like the new season is happening. It feels like summer. And I've been thinking a lot about where I was a year ago. And, you know, obviously the world is in a different spot than it was a year ago. And there was so much heaviness and there is still so much heaviness in the world. Yeah. And you know, there's still so many problems and, and and so many things that are really came to light maybe a year ago that are still very much a mm-hmm. problem now. But then reflecting on like personally, I still have so far to go and so much to do and so much I want to accomplish. And but also thinking back to what I have accomplished. And I have a my really close friend Carolina who I talk about all the time on here. And she gave me this really great, I went to Topanga and visited her this weekend. And she, she said to me, I was just kind of reflecting on that. I was like, wow, a year ago, like I hadn't even met this person. And I, to think like this happened and that, and we were just kind of like, she knows everything, you know? And, and I, and she said Mm -hmm. to me, wow, you've really built a life there for yourself. And even and instantly my mind was like, well, yeah, but like, what if it goes away tomorrow? And what if I'm not friends with it? You know? And I, I like mm-hmm. told my, my anxiety jumped in and told myself a story, but like, then I, I really want to like do what you said of say like, okay, true. And yes, but also like look around, you're going to miss it if you don't 
take clock what you do have around you Mm -hmm. and have some perspective with that because, you know, if we're focusing on what isn't there, what we do want, we're just going to miss it and stay stuck. So I think that is really well said. Mm -hmm. With that, you mentioned journaling and I'm such a verbal processor and journaling is how I figure out how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and it slows me down. And I know we really connected over this when I did your show. So I'd love to geek out over that a little bit. How did you get into it and what does your practice look like now? Yeah, I love journaling. It's I probably love it as much as you do. I know you love it so much. And I actually started writing since I was a kid because if you go back, like I have all these little notepads since when I was like five years old, I would just write things down, either whether I'm writing song lyrics down or something, just writing a diary. So it was our it was always something naturally that I did. And as I grew older, it really became my tool to like understand myself and know what I want. Because for the longest time, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what I wanted out of life. And so I, I did a lot of reflective journaling to figure that out. And journaling can look like different things to me, but recently it's, I mostly just do morning pages where like at the start of my day, I write two to three pages of just stream of consciousness writing. And sometimes I like, I'm really good at asking myself questions. Like I give myself my own journaling prompts. So sometimes I'll, I'll like ask a question and then answer it. And sometimes I draw graphs, you know, sometimes I try to like draw out like mind maps and things like that. But yeah, usually I just kind of flow with what I need. Yeah. I do the same. It sounds like we're really at the same spot in our practice. And, you know, I remember 10 years ago or or less than that, maybe like five years ago when I started coaching other people through journaling and it was kind of like, let me, have you tried this thing journaling? And it felt so (laughs) so niche and kind of off. And I feel like Mm -hmm. even that is something I'm hearing people talk about so yeah. much more. And I'm so happy because, and, and I always say this about the book, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that it exists. And even though it came out five years ago now, there are things I would change about it, right? Like the cover and, you know, I'm wearing mm-hmm. a flower crown, which is very like 2016 <laughs> and whatever. It's okay. <laughs> but it feels so who I was then. And I'm yeah. happy that back then I chose something like journaling that is free, that is accessible, that is easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I my practice sound, looks very similar. And I know it's not everybody's thing, but it, I'm happy that we have it and it's been something that helps us. Yeah. I think especially for people who are introverted, because I, I think extroverts like to talk out their problems. There are certain people that need to talk to people to figure out who, who they are and what they're thinking. But then for me, like I, I feel like I'm in my own bubble and I, I work best when I'm independent, when it's just me and I just write what I feel. Do you know your Myers-Briggs and what? Yeah, I I believe I am INFJ. Cause sometimes I take the test and it comes out INFP because I think my J and P is like kind of in the center. Yeah. What about you? We must be very similar. So I'm an ENFP, but ah. the funny thing about ENFPs is if if being introverted and extroverted is a spectrum, ENFP is right in the middle. So it's the yeah. least extroverted of the extroverts or the most, yeah. you know, introverted of the extroverts, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And so it sounds like you, we're like right on the similar. teetering there. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and I, I, I'm not sure if people can change types because when I used to take this in high school, I was like an ENFJ, but I think I became more introverted as I grew older. No, that that happens, and I think that's happened to me too. My, I got into Myers Briggs really young yeah. because my mom works in HR, and so she like did this test to me when oh, I was like nine cool. years old, wow. and. I, I same, like very similarly, I think I've become more introverted and I find mm-hmm. that like my conversations with other people and me processing things with other people, like decisions, especially I process by this is something, have you gotten into human design much? Yes, I have. Are you a projector? Uh, ge- generator. Generator. What about you? I'm a projector. Oh, cool. But this person, Aaron when she did the podcast, she was telling me that I, I think it's my authority is Mm -hmm. basically exactly like you were saying, like whenever I make a decision, I have to talk it out at length. Oh, I see. Not to get other people's opinion, but to feel, think, figure out what I'm thinking about it. And she was like, and another way for you to do that is journaling. So I think it's like my extrovertedness. It like makes those conversations with people richer. If I've first processed it on my own, even therapy, you know, I think I can go a little bit deeper if I've done the first layer myself. I see. And I think, you know, being introverted, it's, it's the same thing. Like I probably am more introverted of like journaling is I can definitely see that of like being a helpful tool, you know, if if even if you like just don't have someone you can talk it out with it's mm-hmm. it's i always say this it's like the most non-judgmental friend you'll ever have <laughs> yeah i agree and something you can be really real with so we were talking before this that we both went to bali and mm-hmm. i i spent last january there and i'm curious what your time in bali was like and if there's anything that you learned or anything you can share from that Oh my God. I loved my time in Bali. I, I was there for two and a half weeks and I was there on a solo trip. It was the first solo trip that I had ever taken because, you know, I, I just, I think I, I'm not sure what it was that called me there. <laughs> I guess there were a lot of different things that called me there, but, but going there, I intended for it to be like an introspective healing trip. And Bali is a place, I mean, first of all, it's beautiful. It's tropical, but number two, it's a huge place to go for yoga. And I love doing yoga. So my plan was just to go do yoga every day and just explore, you know, journal a lot. And surprisingly, I I encountered a lot of like synchronicities when I was there. Synchronicities are, are just coincidences that are, you know, coincidences. So I I actually bumped into like three or four people there from my past, whether they were from high school or college or somewhere else without planning it. And this kept happening again and again. And it was so weird. I was so far away from home. I was by myself. Like, I I really believe that when something like that happens, it's the universe speaking to you, whether it's trying to tell you, oh, you're on the right path or I I don't know. I I am a spiritual person, so I believe it means something. And it's up to the person it's happening to to decide what it means for them. But yeah, things like that just kept happening. And I felt so supported because when I went there, I felt so alone and anxious. I was like, oh, it's kind of scary being by myself. What am I going to do at night? And all these anxieties. And when I got there like the first day I bumped into a, a college friend at the yoga place and a, and then we you know that led to me meeting someone else and I, I just felt so protected like I wasn't alone not only that but I, I also did breath work for the first time 
in Bali, breathwork is this, it's a simple exercise where you're just doing deep cyclical breathing, but you're doing it nonstop for, I think our class was 90 minutes. So it's a class with a room full of people. You're lying down and you're just deep breathing. You have an instructor guiding you through it and he just kind of plays music. But it's amazing what the breath can do because what breath work is supposed to do, it's supposed to unearth like deep emotions, traumas, wounds that you have. And it's a healing practice. And there are like, there are people in the, in the class that are like screaming and they're crying I, I even cried at my on my second session but it's it's interesting because you didn't do anything else just breathe differently and it just brings up old memories and old thoughts and it helps you heal from those thoughts and and old wounds and I don't know I it's hard to explain what I went through but I think overwhelming healing and love is what I felt at the end of it so it was a great experience breath work it's something you can do at home even so i would recommend it to anyone to just try it out because it, it puts your mind in a different state of mind it, i don't know how to explain it but yeah it was amazing ashley niece do you know her no she's like a friend of a friend but she is a breathwork te teacher and she wrote a book about breathwork and and has workshops online about it and she's doing the podcast next week which is so funny oh fun yeah yeah oh See, I, I consider that it's like a coincidence yes, for you. I love it. <laughs> right? Exactly. Totally. I love that kind of thing. I know. Yeah. And Bali was full of that for me too. And I don't know if anyone, when you were there, because I did the same thing, you know, I went right after a breakup and it was like oh. this time for me to like be by myself and, and, you know, feel my feelings. And then, and it was so funny. I honestly was feeling really overwhelmed in New York and needed some time away. And so I was like, I'll just go really far away and I'll be by myself. And turns mm -hmm. out wherever you go, there you are. You know, I was just yeah. like, made so many friends. And suddenly yeah. it was like every night I had something, I had a exactly. dinner and then I had a class. And, you know, it's just so funny how. I'm not sure if you had this experience, but I, I Bali is a popular place to go for solo travelers because of Eat, Pray, Love, especially like women. So I don't know your experience, but I read Eat, Pray, Love like you know, it was one of my favorite books in college, but going there, you know, I thought I was going to be the only solo traveler. I was just going to be me and blah, blah, blah. And I go there and I go to a cafe and it's me at a table. Like every table is a single woman by herself. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so basic. Everyone's doing eat, pray, love here. <laughs> I know, dude. Yeah, I it know. was funny. Yeah, it's not. I, I kept asking, uh, like a lot of the Balinese people I met too, I kept being like, what was your pray love really like? Like, was it that bad? For Like, what do you think of this? And mm. I remember someone being like, oh yeah, that guy that from the Eat, Pray, Love, he's here. That, you know, oh. I just always thought it was interesting to ask. Yeah. Um, which is, and, you know, ultimately they were, the consensus I got was like, it was good for tourism. Yeah, I'm sure it sparked a lot of tourism for their, for for them to this day. Yeah, were you in Ubud? For them. Yes, I, I stayed a week in Ubud and then a week and a half in Changgu by the ocean. But I kind of like Ubud better. I like the forest vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo I loved Ubud. Mm -hmm. So I lead this group called Creative Underdogs. And I, my whole point with it is that, you know, I feel like I'm a creative underdog, someone who does many different things. And sometimes it's hard to like move from one to the other and I get overwhelmed pretty easily. And I watched this movie at the Angelica Theater in New York, this documentary a couple of years ago. And Leonard Cohen's muse, Marianne, talks was on this island in Greece and she talks about herself being an artist of life. And mm -hmm. I 
always thought that I wanted to move from being a creative underdog to an artist of life, like, mm -hmm. like Marianne, someone who like bounces between projects easily. And it's not just about projects. It's about like the way you make a platter and the way you host and the way you cook and the way you dress. And, and, and ultimately to me, being a life artist is presence. And I know mm -hmm. you use that term too, and yeah. I love it. And so I was hoping you could define what it means to you and how you seem to me. And I, and I know you a bit, uh, like you really embody that. And so I would love to hear about how you define it and embody it. Thank you. Yeah, I love the term artist of life. I mean, my motto for Lavender is life is an art, make it your masterpiece. Because I believe that each one of us is an artist of our own life and we have more power than we think to design and create all aspects of our life. And obviously being an artist starts with like what you have. Some artists are better at painting, some better, some artists are better at music, right? So it's not that you have a blank canvas. I think everybody starts with something. You're, you start with what you're given, kind of like your parents and your upbringing and this and that. But from what you have, you have a lot of creative freedom to build from there and build on top of that. And to me, artist of life, it, it is like you said, it is about having intention in every area of your life. It's about, you know, deciding who you want to be and you know how you want to dress all all of the details of your dream self and becoming that just taking the steps you need to get become that person you want to be and also envisioning the life you want to live to the very specific detail of like what you do every day every morning every evening where you live just what you own what your life looks like who you spend your time with i think each of those can be very intentionally you know crafted and designed in some way so being an artist of life it, it's a lifelong journey of creating your dream life and and i think as you grow too your ideal self and your dream life can change so maybe five years ago you wanted this and then now you want something else like it's okay to change and and that's the beauty of being an artist of life is like you always have the the power and the opportunity to keep creating mm, i love that what is it that you're wanting to create now for me i want to create freedom because i mean i already have freedom but more of financial freedom in my life i think that's the ultimate goal because with financial freedom then you have more freedom to spend your time in other ways and to be more creative i've really gone i think the past 10 years have been like hustling and grinding and i really want to build something that allows me to live a more balanced and slow life like i don't want to be working so hard for the rest of my life so that's something that I want to build. And a big part of that is just working on building out my brand and my business with like new products and just building out this, this community that I have right now. Mm, I love that. I can't even believe that today's episode is brought to you by my favorite fruit. That's right. Sweet Northwest cherries, the fruit. You know, I think sweet cherries are the perfect summer fruit, but what you might not know is that they are a powerful super fruit. Sweet cherries offer much more than just their delicious flavor. They're nutrient dense, and these cherries contain powerful antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds, and they're a low glycemic fruit, which is really cool. So whether you're eating them fresh or blending them in a smoothie, spreading them on a sandwich, as a sauce, 
sauce or even mixing them into salsa, which I really love, everyone can benefit from the taste and health benefits of sweet cherries. One of the many health benefits that I love about sweet cherries is that they're a natural source of melatonin, serotonin, and tryptophan, and they may improve the quality of sleep. For all of these reasons, these are my ideal late night snack. Give them a go. Add sweet cherries to your shopping list today or stock up and preserve for year-round enjoyment. They're now available online and in grocery stores nationwide. Tis the season. Visit nwcherries.com slash sweet health to learn more. That's nwcherries.com slash sweet health to learn more. This episode is also brought to you by the Podcast Kit. If you want to start a podcast, I have a workshop for you. No pressure, but if you've ever considered starting a podcast, you can do the first two modules of what I'm calling the Podcast Kit. And the link to that is in the show notes if you want to give it a go try it out. I would love to have you. And if you have any questions on podcasting, just shoot me an email. My email is katie, K-A-T-I-E at letitoutwith3ts.com. And I will point you in the direction of a way to help you. I listened to an interview of yours today on your podcast and you were talking to your guest about calm. And she Mm -hmm. gave this great quote that it was something like we think we want success, but we actually want to be calm because every, every decision we make mm. from a non-calm place is not great, basically. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm butchering the quote, but do you remember yeah. what I'm talking about? I think I might. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think we think success is all these material things like, oh, we want this house, we want this and that. But to me, more and more, I realize like what we really want is a sense of inner peace and to not be stressed, right? Because when, when you have peace and calm, you're not worried about the next thing. You're not worried about, I guess, guess anything. And to, you know, financial freedom is part of that, but it's not about the material things. It's about the mindset and just the feeling that it gives you. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So what is calm to you? What are activities that settle you other Mm -hmm. than journaling? Calm to me is doing yoga. Yoga always makes, it it releases not just physical, but emotional, just it releases some sort of energies and yoga, meditation, anything that allows me to kind of get into a flow state like you like painting can bring you calm doing something simple and repetitive that's meditative in a way anything like that is calm calm to me is an open schedule like i don't like having back to back events in my schedule i like things to be open i like things to be free flowing and i like to be able to decide how i want to spend my time that's calm i think the opposite of calm would be like oh i have to go to this i have to do this i have to do like you know you being at the expense of everybody else's time or what everybody else wants out of you so yeah i'm learning to just really take things off my plate more and more that is so good and something that i am working on i i heard you say 
in something that you require a lot of space in order to mm-hmm. be productive. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you burn out. And I am the same way. And, and those, those boundaries and saying no and having space in your calendar is something that, especially when I lived in New York, I didn't do. The pandemic forced me to do in a yeah. way that was really good. I tried to go to Bali to do and I couldn't even do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And like, I think the pandemic definitely had me do that. And this week I'm really feeling like, oh, wow, this feels full again. Mm, this feels like yeah. it did before. And how do I figure out how to give myself that, that space? And, and, and I think just having the self-awareness, like you said, um, is knowing that that's what you need is great. How do you give yourself that? I think you have to create a lot of space in your schedule. I think at least one day a week just to, to do nothing. <laughs> because even if you have a whole empty day, you're going to fill it up with, you know, chores or things, catching up on things and that. But I really make sure I carve at least one or two days of like no plans <laughs> on my schedule because there's so much, there's always so much to catch up on. Right. And so, yeah, just being aware and, and also saying no to opportunities and projects. I think ideally, there's a part of me that wants to do everything. There's a part of me that wants to be on all the platforms and do all the things, but then I know that it's not going to work out for my sanity. So you have it's learning to really heavily prioritize your life and choosing only the most important things, only, only the most valuable things to put your energy to. Yeah. But you do do so much. Like, how do you manage your energy? Like, I feel like you are on all the platforms and do them all so well. And you do, you know, you are doing so much and you do seem so organized. Is there, do you have a twin? Like, I just, <laughs> it might look like that on the, I feel like it might look like that on the outside, but compared to like, a year or two years ago, I'm doing a lot less now. Uh, so I had my podcast and I decided to put a pause to it indefinitely because I just didn't want to like, you know, the, the work that goes into a podcast, I couldn't put that on my plate. So it's in, really in the past, I guess, since the pandemic, I'm really like not taking on too much new stuff and trying to slow down with what I commit to. And, you know, Although it might look like I do a lot, there's also a lot more that I could do. You know, I could be posting TikToks every day. I could be posting Instagram every day, but I, I don't do that. And it's, you know, you got to pick and choose where you put your time. I was sad to see that yeah. about your podcast, but I also totally get it. And I thought your final episode, the finale until you decide to bring it back or if you decide to bring it back yeah. was so wonderful and articulate and well said and 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 really beautiful and I I totally understand your decision was that was that hard for you to to make that call Yeah well thank you I it was hard and a part of me like sometimes I look at the podcasting space and a part of me is like oh my god there's so many pe-. like I podcast can be, be a good like, you know, it could be a great avenue to post content. A part of me sometimes feels like, oh, should I have stopped my podcast? But then another part of me also feels really thankful because I have more space in my life that I don't have to worry about scheduling guests and and this and that. So for now, I'm happy with where it is. But like I said, there's a part of me that's still maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I always overthink it sometimes. Well, the nice thing about it, and you said this in that episode, is that you can always bring it back whenever you want to. You're not deleting right. the feed, you know? Right. 
And I think that is if, if you want to, and maybe you won't. And like, there's just something, you know, I had like, I had a YouTube channel like in Mm -hmm. like 2013. That was like my yoga videos when I was teaching Uh yoga. And I think I made like a couple of recipes and I just, it was so much for me and I couldn't do it. And like, I think I can feel like a master of none of like, oh, I'm trying so many things, but I'm not doing anything so well. And you Mm -hmm. don't feel that way. I think that's like the opposite feeling of feeling like a life artist. You know, I think you do so many things, but all of them so well. But I think to feel really good and develop a craft is like being able to focus and you not doing the podcast makes sense because you can focus more on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, I think also because lately my, I'm just not on top of, Things. I, I need more space to figure out, I don't know, figure out myself. And so it, it's good to not have the podcast. And for me, YouTube is always like my number one priority. So it's it's knowing it's putting the time to do that well. So and you know, letting go of the other things that I don't think I do as well. <laughs> yeah. And well, I'll just say you're amazing as a podcast host. And you know, you you are and we're doing really well with it. But I think it's a really wise choice to want to focus. And I think that makes so much sense. Yeah. Thank you. So we mentioned that we both went through our Saturn return and have Mm. turned 30 and gotten to the other side of that. I'd love to hear about your experience with both of those things. Yeah. I mean, Saturn return is, it's a funny thing because they say it lasts for like two or three years, right? And you know, when I learned about Saturn return, I thought everybody started at like age 27 and ended at 30. And it wasn't until later I, I got deeper into astrology that I realized like based on your birth chart and where Saturn was, it's like, it's a more specific date. So like it was like 2018, I thought I was going through my Saturn return, but mine actually didn't start till like, I think 2019 or 2020. And so it, it was very, I don't know. I felt like mine got extended because I thought I was going through it before I was actually going through it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> right. It was, it just felt like the longest time. I think I I've matured a lot in the past three years or so. I think I was a little bit more naive, a little bit more, I mean, bubbly and not to say bubbly and happy, but you know, I was more naive back then. I had more energy back then. And then I think life just kind of throws you in all these directions and I'm more centered in life like mature and centered (laughs) and yeah I'm not what about you what was your experience I kind of forgot about it like the term Saturn return until I was thinking about it today about talking to you about it but it definitely Mm -hmm. felt like you know what people said about it is like a ton of change a ton of upheaval like I had kind of all the classic things which I don't think you have to have to like experience it internally but like I did have all of the like classic external things of like Mm -hmm. I left my long-term relationship kind Uh. of unexpectedly I moved coasts unexpectedly I went on a big trip I work kind of changes friend group changes so you know I had all those like really external things um and I think you know, as I'm speaking this out loud, this is, this is my journal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I'm finding that now I think I need to process that. Like, I don't Uh. think I've, I've done the internal, 
I was just moving through it. You know, I was like, okay, I'm moving. I'm now I'm doing this. I'm leaving this. I'm feeling this. I'm, you know, having a crush on this person. I'm letting go of that. I'm doing, you know, I was just really kind of going through the motions. And then the world had such a like wild year. None of us could have expected too in the midst of all that. So I think I'm really now coming up for air and, and processing on the other side of like, Okay, now what? Like now I'll sit yeah. with this for a minute and integrate some of the things I've learned from all of these external experiences. Yeah. Okay, that reminds me. I, I definitely have some key processes that I think I kind of closed the circle on during my Saturn return. And a part of it was like when I went to Bali, I went, I, I took a solo trip and that was part of, you know, the healing, the healing journey. But I think one my whole life, ever since I was a kid, I had like a not good relationship with my dad because he he left our family. It was a weird situation where he used to go on business trips to China. He would come back and forth. And then one time he just left and nothing was said, like no explanation. There was an expectation that he would come back, but then he didn't. And it was kind of like resentment. Like I, I realize now as an adult that it was resentment, like throughout junior high school and high school and yeah, it like I only saw him every three or four years. And th- throughout the time I would see him, I would always cry in front of him. And I think Asian parents, like they they never understood why I was like, I mean, I don't know. They, there was just no communication and an awkward relationship. Just a weird situation that really left a hole in my heart. And it really traumatized me it, for most of my life. And I think it happened in steps, but in 2018, I went to China to visit my dad. And that was the year that I showed him my Artist of Life workbook for the first time. And he never really supported my creative journey before. He w- he's a very conservative parent that wanted me to, you know, be an investment banker or something like that. And I think 2018 and 2019 were the years that, like, I finally felt the mending of our relationship. I I went, it was years of learning to understand him, learning to forgive him and eventually just have gratitude for just the whole experience, right? Um, Yeah, and it was end of 2019 where like I went to visit him again. And by that point of my life, I I was so confident in myself and I wouldn't, I I don't know, I, I was able to, at a point where I could stand up for myself and at a point where I was, wise enough to just be great tell him like oh thank you for everything that happened right it was it's hard to explain because there's obviously a a lot more to the story in the years in between all of that but what I can say is that I finally I, I do feel like I finally healed from that relationship like it's not awkward to mention my dad it's not awkward to text him whereas my whole life it's always been there's always been this like unsaid weird awkward energy between us. And now I feel like I, I've grown through that and I, I've accepted a lot. I, I, yeah, it's like, I'm at a good place now. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, I'm so sorry that that happened. And I think that that was your, you know, thing to process through that. And that, that's yeah. so great that on the other side of it, you feel like there's been a healing or a closing of a loop with that. And that that's really beautiful. And I, I think our relationships with our parents are so intricate. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Of like, like just, you know, I haven't seen my family since 
you know, the end of 2019 and, and Mm -hmm. that distance has been good, but I also just like put it in a pocket of like, Oh, deal with that later, Mm, you know? Yeah. It's it's, still there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's just not how it works of like putting it aside. And that's really Mm -hmm. good that you face something had on and, and let it out and processed it. And I know it's, you know, no, no small thing. And so that's, Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that you had that experience. Thank you. Yeah. It wasn't all at once. It was really like little by little year after year doing just the inner work, just me by myself journaling, but then also like the work with him, seeing him and being able to just release the resentment that I used to have. So now I'm, yeah, I'm happy that I've been able to just come to peace. I think peace is the right word for everything. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. You have really gotten into astrology recently and I would love to know what got you into it and why and what you've been learning that's been helpful. But first, so we can all astrologically profile you will you tell (laughs) us what your sun and moon and rising are sure i'm a libra sun oh Um, duh that makes a lot of sense (laughs) sagittarius moon and then gemini rising what are you i'm curious do you want to guess uh no i have no idea (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if you just like randomly guess do you have gemini in your chart i don't but i always (laughs) date gemini's if that if that counts for anything (laughs) Yeah. I've had two boyfriends with the exact same birthday. Oh my God. That's weird. <laughs> that's very weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in same year and everything. Uh-huh. But I am a Taurus sun, Sagittarius rising Leo moon. Ooh. Oh, really? Okay. I, I was going to say is Taurus in your chart because I, I see that too, but no, that's cool. Yeah. I see Libra. My best friend in New York and my best friend since college is a Libra. Yeah. <laughs> they're very, like, they're amazing. We Every love Every Libra beauty. I've met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My is also a Libra. And I think Taurus connects with that too. Yes. Taurus people love music and, like, the senses, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so how did I get into astrology? I think I've always been interested in astrology up until, like, maybe before last year, I only knew the sun signs and I would look up horoscopes just for fun. But I started interviewing astrologers on my podcast. I'm not sure what prompted me to to bring them on, but I just thought it was an interesting field. And then I I learned about the birth chart and I started reading like books on astrology, on how to understand your birth chart and then how to understand transits and progression. So I think it's so fun because astrology, yeah, it's not, it might not be hard science, but it's so crazy that there are so many accuracies or at least similarities that, you know, you can know, know a lot about a person if you look at their chart. So I have a lot of fun like deciphering the symbols and learning more about myself. The past year, I've, I, I think astrology is hard to talk about with like on my YouTube channel because it's so personalized, right? I'm not good at reading other people's charts, nor am I good at just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert, but I definitely learn so that I can interpret my own chart and my what's going on in my life. Yeah. And it's nice to just have the language around it with other people yeah. and it's fun and like not to be like, oh, I'm a victim of the planets, but to be like, this is like a way I feel articulated. And I feel yeah. that way about human design, like which it happens to be the system that makes me feel most articulated and feels mm-hmm. most like weirdly accurate to me. Yeah. Um, 
But I love it. I love all of it. Astrology, Myers Briggs, human. Like I just think it's fun and interesting. Yeah. I like it's a good conversation piece too. Yes. And good for journaling prompts to kind of think about things in that way. I think that's a really interesting way to Mm -hmm. use it as well. You mentioned it was we're coming up on eclipse season when this episode is airing. What does that mean to you? From what I know, eclipse season is a time of like radical change and transformation. And everyone's different. Like right now, the eclipse season, like it was, I think it's between like Gemini and Sagittarius. So if you have like a planet in either Gemini or Sagittarius, like you could be more affected by eclipse season. For me, my moon is in Sagittarius and my rising is Gemini. So I think this this one is affecting me a little bit more. But at the same time, like, I don't know how I, I don't necessarily maybe i feel it a little bit but who knows right well yeah i've got something in sagittarius so maybe me too (laughs) (laughs) this kind of relates i think too with your intention i heard recently you said is surrender and i think with eclipse season or with any of anything from astrology the more we can surrender to what's happening especially like eclipse wise i guess i would say the better, but I would love to yeah. know from you, like why surrender and what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think surrendering is actually really important. I think most of, well, at least me, I'm the type of person that likes to be in control and I'm all about like the dream life. I like to be in control. Like, oh, you can create your life. You can do this. You can do that. It's all about taking action and making it happen. But life is not just you making it happen, right? Life is Sometimes life happening to you, things outside of your control can happen. So when when those things happen, then it's the key part, instead of learning to control everything, because it's, it's useless trying to control things that you can't, it's just learning to surrender to it and trust that life and the universe is guiding you to where you're meant to be. And sometimes it's it's hard to trust because you don't really understand why things are happening, why things are the way they are, but surrender is just that to just surrender to it without knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Letting go of control because control is a joke. Which is huge. Exactly. Control is an illusion. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You have a video about radical acceptance and I was hoping you could talk about that a bit and where you are with it. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing your research, Katie. These are all my recent videos. (laughs) Um, I loved it. I mean, I'm going to keep researching after I'm done because I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Yeah. Radical acceptance is a concept that I've been learning to practice more of in my life. And it's just, it just means to accept everything as it is. And the, I guess the underlying concept is expectations lead to disappointment. If reality doesn't meet your expectation, then you're going to either be disappointed or frustrated, angry. You're going to suffer in some way. And so instead of having high expectations for yourself or your life, radical acceptance is just accepting yourself as you are, accepting your life and the circumstances as they are. It doesn't mean that you say you're in like a toxic relationship Radical acceptance doesn't mean to just like accept it and stay in that toxic relationship. It actually means that instead of wishing that person would change, because sometimes people stay because they expect the person will change or or something else will happen. But radical acceptance is accepting that person 
as he is, whether, you know, the toxic relationship as it is. And then from there, after that acceptance is you get to decide how you want to act, whether you want to leave, whether you want to stay or do, do this or that. But the first step to change is acceptance because most people, they're in denial. They haven't accepted it. They want another outcome. Yeah, that's so helpful. I mean, I was just telling you about this like strange accident I got into and I was so upset that it happened. I was like, this is so annoying and expensive mm-hmm. and the doctors and I, my plans and my, and it's just like, when I was in that space, I couldn't do anything. You know, mm-hmm. I really couldn't move forward. It's when I accepted and I was like, this is a weird thing that happened. There's probably a lesson here or maybe not, but like move on. Yeah, Everything was able to shift, you know, and yeah. I'm finally getting to that. And I think the right. sooner you can get there, the better, but sometimes it does take time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes you have to go through the the emotions of anger and denial, this and that, and then acceptance. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So what, are there any other steps after acceptance, after radical acceptance? Is there another, is there like a step two to that? I haven't thought of that. All I know is that after that, it's, you get to decide what action you want to take. But acceptance is, the point of it is to free yourself from unnecessary suffering, right? Because, you know, if you have an expectation and it doesn't happen, then it leads to suffering. So yeah, just accepting. Yeah. Have you read the book Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock? No, I haven't. (laughs) Have you? Yeah, I think you would really like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I listened to it on Audible, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you'd be into it. So speaking of books, I heard you say that you really love Deepak Chopra's books. And there's this book called, I think it's The Seven Laws of Success. Oh, Is that right? Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never read it, but you definitely oh. sold me and I, I want it's, to. You can find the audiobook on YouTube. I think. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's, I think it's pretty short. What helped you from it? It's like he has seven spiritual laws of the universe and they're very, they're simple, but some of them are like refreshing. Like I, when I listened to, to that book, I've never heard of some of these concepts before. I just really like Deepak Chopra's view of the world. I like his, like the way he describes the universe and the laws of that, you know, if you really think about it, we do operate under these laws. So I'm excited to pick it up. I read a different one of his books or I've just heard him on interviews and always liked what he's had to say, but Mm -hmm. I haven't really tuned into his work in years. So it made me curious. Yeah. For some reason, I really like his voice. Like I used to listen to his audiobooks like before I went to sleep. He has like it's either a sleep meditation or a sleep audiobook, but yeah, I used to listen to those on YouTube. I love that. I'm probably going to do it tonight. <laughs> I'm curious. We both loved the book, The Four Agreements, and you mm-hmm. read The Fifth Agreement yeah. and liked it. I guess I could just Google this, but I, <laughs> I, it's good to know that you liked it. I'm cur- I'm so curious like what The Fifth Agreement is. I guess that's like a spoiler alert. <laughs> I should just read it. What was the actual term? I forgot the actual phrase, but the fifth agreement, it was about like how everybody lives in their own movie. Like everybody is living in, like, like how you interpret something is not how someone else sees it. And it's just recognizing that nobody can see the the world and see life the way you do. And so you have to be mindful of how, how they see things and 
I should just read it. I just really wanted to know like if it was good to someone who liked the four agreements. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I liked it. It's basically it has the four agreements like, you know, summarized in the fifth agreement. So you get a refresher and then yeah, it, it's a good one. I just reread the four agreements. I love it. Isn't that like it was so life changing when I read it? It was. And I hadn't read it since like 2012. That was kind of one of the first, some of the yeah. early self-help books that I read were The Four Agreements. Me too. And a couple other ones. Like that. The Alchemist or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Back when we were, you know, and we were basically children at that point. Yeah. <laughs> God, this is so nice to chat with you. I, I'm really enjoying this. I think we'll just do the, the, Rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. You ready for them? Yeah. Okay. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? The last week? (laughs) I haven't had that many exciting meals the last week. I guess I could say pizza. (laughs) Oh, great. I mean, I always love pizza. Yeah. It's always good. What's your favorite meal or like a favorite meal that you've ever had? I love, oh, there's so many good ones, but I love a good like Italian pasta, like a good, um, when it's like fresh made pasta, like the texture. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your life right now? My favorite part of my life. I I think of two things. One is like, I hang out with my dog every day and he's so cute. <laughs> he What's brings your me dog's so much name again? Togi. Like Aww. he brings me so much joy. The other part is I, I just love that I am still doing what I'm doing because like I, I do love my social media job. I know I, ta- I don't take it for granted because it's something that could disappear anytime, but I'm, I'm grateful to have it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You are a very successful person. Was there one mindset shift or piece of advice that helped you to grow and or a piece of advice recently that's helped you? Mm, That's a good question. Uh, I guess one thing I can say is have a vision, be confident and stick with your vision. Because when I started, I think when anyone starts, like nobody around you really believes that you can do it. Nobody believes in your vision. But I I had a vision for what Lavender could be, even back then when self-help wasn't popular on YouTube. And I just kept doing it. I kept believing in myself and believing in the vision so much to just keep doing it. And and now, you know, it worked out. Yeah. Well, I love that. I'm so curious how you spend your days. And I heard you say that you are someone who doesn't wake up early. I and don't. I think we hear so many people who are productive talk about how they get up early, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I enjoy getting up early because I, yeah. I like the mornings, but I my body does not want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I'd love to hear like how you spend your days and what a morning or evening routine looks like. And does this mean you stay up really late and you work at night? Yeah. Well, it meant before I would stay up and work till late till like 2 a.m. But actually now I don't do that anymore. So I I try to wake up around 10, sometimes 11. <laughs> and then- Wow, I, every I day. <laughs> I'm a night owl. Yeah, That's I like to so sleep late cool. and wake up late. <laughs> I, so I love cool. talking about this because I love yeah, like no defying one that. that. Yeah, I love defying that like you have to wake up at 5 a.m. mindset because, you know, like everybody's body is different. And my body has always been the type that likes to sleep in. Like I work best in the afternoons and evenings. So yeah, I, I wake up and I usually have like 
an hour or so to do. If I have time, I'll journal, I'll meditate, and then I'll do like some basic, like I'll, I'll get started on work a little bit after that. So yeah, most of my work is done in the afternoon. So I'll usually shoot videos from like either 1 or 2 p.m. till the sunset. And then other days I have meetings too, right? I have my meetings in the afternoon from like, you know, 1, 2, 3, or something like that. So, and then in the evenings, I'll like, I'll work until like seven ish and then I'll have dinner. And then lately after dinner, I just chill. I just watch Netflix or Korean dramas and like relax during my night. So that's typically my day. So what time yeah. do you go to bed? It varies, but around like one or two. So you're getting like a decent <laughs> night. I love there. sleep. I, I, I need like nine hours of sleep. I love that. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> What's your greatest lesson on relationships? Ooh, on relationships? Patience. <laughs> Patience and communication, I think, are two huge ones. Because, you know, communication is huge. You don't know what the other person's thinking. You don't know how they're feeling. You have to actually communicate. And that's not just, it's both, both people have to communicate. You can't hold things in. You can't. Expect them to know how you're thinking or feeling. So communication is one. And then patience is another because you always need some patience because, you know, things don't always go your way. Yeah. What's your greatest lesson on friendship? I think they're similar. I think friendships, I, I, to be honest, I'm not the best at keeping in touch with people. I'm actually like not, you know, I, I'm that's not my strength. But that's why I think to keep a good friendship is also communication is to be not be afraid to be proactive and be the first one to reach out and just just to be there just to be there for someone through everything yeah greatest lesson on creativity Ooh, on creativity Ooh, just keep doing the work even if it's bad because creativity is not always going to be good but just keep doing it something good will come eventually yeah yeah, and yeah. Get through that it, it's like trusting gap right yeah i think a lot of people don't don't you know they don't fight to the point where they get past that gap yeah greatest lesson on family Ooh, greatest lesson on family is to appreciate everyone because i think sometimes you take people for granted the people who are always there but just learning to be grateful and appreciate and show that appreciation mm, that's a really good one mm -hmm. what are you most looking forward to this summer <sighs> I'm looking forward to just hanging out with friends. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I have a lot of activities planned. I'm actually going to Austin next month for the first time. And I think, I don't know, summer, I love summer because there's all these outdoor activities you can do. You can go to the beach. So I'm just looking for, forward to things like that. Yeah. So you obviously have a really big following with your channel and your work. Does it ever feel overwhelming to you to have so many eyes on you sometimes if i'm posting a video where i'm vulnerable it's kind of like oh my god a lot of people are gonna see this and i just when that happens i just don't read the comments i just post it and look away and do something else for the day but for the most part i don't know if it, it hits me because sometimes i feel like nobody cares about who i am and nobody watches me right even though like people are watching my videos and people do know who i am sometimes i forget about that and i, I just feel like I don't know. I, I sometimes I, I don't I forget that. Yeah, which is yeah. which is I think 
good and healthy <laughs> mentally probably and, and yeah. speaks to, you know, your your goodness. Oh, thank you. You've mentioned spirituality a couple of times. I'm curious where you are with spirituality and how you grew up spiritually and where you are with it now and, and what happens mm-hmm. when we die. Growing up, my family is like casual Buddhists. So I, my mom is like being Buddhist doesn't like you only go to the temple maybe during, once a year during like Chinese New Year. It's, it's a very casual thing. But at home, we do have like a shrine and my mom does pray. But I think my mom would love tell a casual us, religion. <laughs> it's so casual. Like you go once a year. There's no obligations. That's like the opposite it's, of Catholic where I yeah, grew up. Is it? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, it's. And some people don't even consider Buddhism a religion because it's really just, I don't know. There's different schools of thought. But anyway, I did grow up like learning lessons, like Buddhist lessons. And my mom would tell me stories about like these gods and goddesses and she, like my mom is really, my mom is a spiritual person. Like she, she also meditates and she prays and she has her own, I guess, theory on what happens after we die. And so I've always believed in reincarnation. I've always believed if you do good deeds, you'll have good karma. If you do bad deeds, you'll have bad karma. And that recycles into your next life and this and that. I think growing up Chinese, that's, it's in our culture to believe that. So And I still do believe that. I think I'm spiritual in the sense that I do believe in the higher power. I believe in a God or the universe. And in terms of what happens after we die, you know, who knows? (laughs) I'm so, like, I do believe in spirits, but there's, I feel like it could go so many ways that I, like, I'm I'm so open-minded and I'm open to it. Yeah. 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 Me too. I mean, I I always say this about reincarnation. Like, it definitely seems like the most interesting option. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, because like physically, when you die, your atoms, they, the energy, not the energy, but like the, the actual matter becomes something else, whether it becomes soil or rocks or whatever, right? So I think like your energy will, I don't know, it'll become something else too, but who knows? Right, right. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So the last question is really just a way to recommend things. So, book, movie, podcast, person, yeah, quote, idea, song, anything you want to recommend. <laughs> like favorite, I'll, I'll just say a couple of my favorite books. One is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Any creative should read that book. We love um, our right? patron saint of this trip <laughs> and our trip to Bali. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, Learning to Be Present. I feel like it's a, a lifelong journey. Everybody needs to read a, read that book and understand that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like one I've been trying. I read that book again, one of the first ones around the four agreements, and I'm still learning it every day. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But it's everything. <laughs> it literally is everything, going back yeah. to that. Oh, it was so nice to talk to you and talk to my friend and have this conversation. I I really enjoyed it. And I I hope everyone listening did too. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for all the good questions. There were a lot that I didn't expect, but it was was fun. Good. Okay, good. Well, the name of this podcast, as you know, is Let It Out. So when I offer that to you, is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about? Did I squeeze you for all your juice? (laughs) Anything you want to share? I I think you asked a lot of good questions. I think 
I'm not sure what else I have to share outside of just love yourself, believe in yourself, and trust the journey. Because it can take you winding roads up and down, and it's all happening for you, not to you. <laughs> Wait, I actually thought of something that I'd like yeah. you to let out. <laughs> I heard you talk about in another podcast, okay. you talked about comparison, and you were saying mm -hmm. that like, we are better together, and you gave this analogy about flowers. Could you share that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So if you think of like, there's a rose versus a lily versus a peony, like which one is better, right? It's hard to say because some people like a rose, some people like peonies, some people like hydrangeas, like there's no decisive, like this rose is better than that rose, right? So when you are comparing yourself to someone else, who's saying who's better or worse, right? Like there's no comparison. You can't compare one person to the other because, you know, you're each unique and beautiful in your own way, just like these different flowers are. So the metaphor is like when you bring a bouquet of different flowers together, it makes something much more beautiful. And that also happens with people. If you bring a bunch of different people together and you collaborate and you work together as a community, that that can be really beautiful too. So instead of comparing yourself to others and thinking, oh, I'm like this person's better than me or the other way around, it's just better to like love yourself for, you know, the unique person that you are for everything that you are and, and just like work together, see other people for what they have that's unique. Yeah. I love that. That's so yeah. true. It's like, it makes me think of rising tide lift all, lifts all boats or, mm, you yeah. know, Anne Friedman and Aminatu So wrote this article called Shine Theory. Have you read it? No. I think you would really like it, but it, it's old. It's from years Shine ago. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe 2012. I think it was an, an essay for The Cut, but they talk about, you know, I think they give the example of Kelly Rowland and Beyonce and how like mm. female friendship, it's like when I, I want you to be doing well as my friend because that is... I care about you as my friend, but also it's like actually better for everyone when everyone's yeah. doing well yes. and we support each other and, you know, with kindness and it, it's, I mean, I'm not doing well at, at regurgitating <laughs> no, this article, I, I but it. it's kind of the same. And we I are just, better together basically. Yeah. And I really loved your analogy. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we always end with a deep breath, letting out a deep breath together. Mm -hmm. So you ready? Okay. Ready. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Thank you so much. You. I'm so happy that we got to do this. Same. That was amazing. That's my conversation with Eileen. I hope that you enjoyed it. And follow her. Follow her on social media. Check out her videos. She's a really delightful person. And I'm sure you gathered that. And go into the archive of her podcast. She has so many great episodes. I hope that you send me a message on social media. I hope that you follow Let It Out and sign up for my email list, the Let It Out letter. And if you want to snag one of those sessions, feel free. They are there for you. I'm very happy you're here. The emoji for this week's episode is anything lavender because she's the lavender on YouTube. So there's got to be some purple emojis. So all of your favorite purple emojis, comment those on my Instagram, on her Instagram to let us know you're listening all the way to the end. And I'll also link to my episode with her from, God, it must have been 2018, 2017. We'll link to that episode if you want to listen to me chat with her 
from god i wonder even what i was talking about or feeling or where i was i think i must have been in new york during that time so anyway thanks for being here love you great way to support the podcast share it and support our sponsors 